Welcome to the Cash Podcast. I am your host, Don, and my co-host, Scott. And uh, we are going through Joel, not Joe, Joel. I think it's the first week that you didn't call it Joe. Yeah, I had a hard time with that last. Because Joe, I don't know, Joe, things sucked for him, but at the same time, it was one of those that he really didn't do anything. However, in Joel, they really did do a whole lot of stuff. And he doesn't seem tortured. That's true. He doesn't seem to be going through the stuff Job, Job. went through. <laughs> Why is that so hard? I don't know. Take God's judgment or take God's... Judgment. Yeah. Nah. Well, the, Joel has like, it seems like this light at the end of the tunnel. Like, it, he really, well, I mean, for now. <laughs> I was going to say, because that's what we get in today is the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I'm going to adjust my mic and it's going to make everyone mad. Sorry, people. <laughs> and technically, we don't see the full end of the tunnel. Right. Well, we kind of do, but Joel doesn't. Right, yeah, because he's existing. We got hindsight and overview and complete, you know, covenantal ability. Except for the revelation part. I mean, revelation does quote Joel. Right. Which no, I did I not mean, get into. Yeah, well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, revelation gets to quote Joel, but Joel didn't get to quote revelation. That's fair, you know? yeah. So we got uh-huh. that hindsight look. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to be the book that quotes lots of other books hmm. or the book that gets quoted? Um, I'm thinking of like, well, see, I'm thinking of like Jesus and quoting Deuteronomy. And I'm like, oh, it'd be great. But then I'm thinking like, oh, but then he was crucified because the Romans were pretty tyrannical. And then he rose again. But like then after the church started to spread, there was a lot of persecution so if I'm a good Christian, I say, man, I would love that because I'd like to get through that persecution and, you know, like suffer for the cause. But I'm an American. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, that sounds awful. <laughs> um, I'm not quite hmm. sure. I mean, it always sounds good till you're in it. Right. And then all of a sudden you kind of do you really want to? Huh? And I know there's a song. What is it? That ocean song. Um you know, everybody knows it, but it, I don't. It's like the KB. Well, KB redid it. Yeah, which... and that's so. My kids started playing it for my wife, and she's like, "Oh, it's ocean!" And then it's KB, and my uh-huh. wife likes KB. She's like, "Oh, it's really cool." So it's like all good, but like, I didn't know it was oceans, and I still don't know if I would know that song. Well, you would from the chorus. Same would I chorus. Know? Well, I don't know about the. I don't know if I know the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Like I'd never heard the song until KB did. Okay, it. I did not. I, I did not either. So, but now I do. See, my wife like makes her music playlists are usually like psalms and worship songs and stuff like that, and like hymns and all that. Mm-hmm. Like my playlists are usually rap and heavy metal. Mine are too. So I'm I'm a little bit. But that doesn't mean that they're not my worship playlist. I do have a worship playlist of rap and heavy metal. Yeah, and I was I was gonna yeah because I have my I call it my if I go I'm a runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know that out there, uh, almost as bad as a CrossFitter. I got to tell everyone I meet. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, if I do a run on Sunday, I have my Sunday Run Day playlist, oh. and that's more of my David Crowder's, but it's also my Tadashi's and <laughs> it's KB's and you know. Uh, fit for a king and you know it's kind of a yeah more aggressive worship sound mm-hmm. <laughs> i guess you'd say well I've, so. I've, I've got the i've got my playlist that is definitely my worship playlist but it's not my family's worship okay sometimes it is because they just got no choice yeah um i've got my thing hooked up to the bluetooth speaker that's fairly loud so well, so we have spotify uh-huh. and it comes with i think five or six accounts oh nice and like so i have one account set up under my youngest son's name and it's completely parental edited and i linked that account to our google play like the little home mini thing i think it's Mm -hmm. called a nest home mini now or whatever yeah so like if anybody says hey google play whatever um and it goes to the google home mini they get it off of that spotify's playlist okay and then the others i passed out like my oldest son he's got an account and my daughter's got an account and um my second oldest son has an account uh that he never uses and then my wife and i have an account oh, okay. so you know unfortunately ezra doesn't get an account he just doesn't want one 
Um, if he really, he doesn't really listen to a lot of, so actually Eli and Ezra, if their name starts with E, they don't really listen to music at all. Okay. They're not really musical. So, but my daughter and my oldest are very, very musical. So they definitely, I mean, they were begging, like once they found out there was a family account, they wanted their own. Oh, okay. And when we had, we had Google play music Mm -hmm. for a while, but it was so bad if it it did not differentiate between accounts. Uh. So I could be listening to something while running. And my kids could be like, hey, Google, play, blah, blah, blah. And it would like stop my list while I was running and start playing something at home. Oh, no. And I was like, no, I'm like, because I can't just stop. Like, and, right. oh, let me pause this run, you know. So I was like, oh, I didn't like that. Okay. So I asked Google how to fix it. And they're like, there's no way to fix it. And I was like, fine. So we went to Spotify. Okay. But sorry, the whole point of that was Google lets you give an account to anybody and they don't care. So I gave one to like my father-in-law to use uh-huh. um, who does not live with us. Uh, Spotify, on the other hand, if the IP address that they request music from mm-hmm. is like out of the norm of like where your typical requests are from, it will tell you to stop it. Oh, wow. So they're a little more anti giving your, it's not like Netflix where you can give it to like your brother, sister, and cousin. Okay. It's like, you got to kind of keep it under your roof. Got it. So, got it. Okay. There you go. There, that, yeah. I don't know how we got there. Revelation, no Job, Deuteronomy. Oh yeah. Worship some, playlist. Some people co- quoting one per, one person over another book. Yeah. So then is Joel a, be- a New York Times bestseller if the Bible is a New York <laughs> Times bestseller? <laughs> so it's 66 books. Or is Yahweh the New York Times bestseller I because mean, he inspired? And how come he doesn't get residuals? Oh, know. wait, because he owns the entire universe yes, and all that's, that's in uh-huh. it. Okay, all right. <laughs> so who gets, yeah, so who's really the New York Times bestseller? Well, okay, I saw your post on that and I was uh-huh. wondering, like, which ver is it like the King James or is it like NIV because or is it ESV because that would depend on which publishing house? Like, See, I, I looked it up and it looks like it's just the Bible, it's not a certain translation, it's just the Bible, huh? That's yeah, that's hard because, yeah, technically the publisher could lay some claim to that, but yeah, the divinely inspired word would be right because Yahweh wrote it, but technically, right. I mean, Joel, I guess, wrote it, right? But then Yahweh was. The inspiration behind the actual writing. So Moses needs to get some out of this. Joel needs to. Right, Ezekiel. Right. So it's like. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or are they all just New so, York Times bestsellers? They, uh, I don't want to rabbit trail too much. Uh, there was a discussion a while back about who wrote. I think it was Mark and John. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a school of thought that Lazarus might have been one of the authors, I think, of John. Oh. And I was like, John the Revelator? Like the one on the island, like hmm. Jesus's favorite. I don't think that. Would yeah, I doubt that right. would make sense. But yeah, that was a really interesting. Never even. I've actually never heard that before. I guess there's a school out there that believes that. Oh wow. Supposedly, so whatever. Well, see, I don't think he's he's I don't think he's got enough credit to be a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> so I'm gonna stick with John being there. Because uh, John's got then multiple books. Yeah, he's got John one, two, and three. John right. Revelation. Revelation's right. a pretty big one too. Yeah, that's a big seller. Literally, <laughs> big end, big seller. This is what, 22 chapters? A lot of chapters, yeah. He took some time to write it. My eyeball's itchy. All right, well. <laughs> Way to derail that. So let's go to uh, Joel, the uh, New York Times bestseller um, of way before, um, well, during the time of the Minor Prophets. And actually, we didn't know that. I think last week we had concluded that we actually didn't know when it was written, but um, you're probably talking a good um, amount of time before Jesus. Anywhere from 800 to 500 BC is what I've seen. So approximately at least a thousand years before Jesus, we're probably talking. Yeah, you're looking at what 900 if you go at the at the latest date. Yeah, because is it 300 or 400 intertestamental? So it's about a 400 intertestamental period. So if you're talking at least yeah, so 900 years. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. So yep. So and we're not for sure when that is, but. So with that, um, I guess just a recap review, beginning of um, Joel 2, um, judgment, 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 um, whether that is <laughs> the locust judgment or an apocalyptic judgment, um, it's going to suck. And then we have repentance. Um, so we've got this place where Joel calls Israel to repentance and um, especially the priests call fasting, weeping, um, 
um, a rend, what is it, a rend your heart, not your garments type of repentance. Yeah. Um, and now we are coming to um, really a salvation, a redemption part of the book, um, which then we find out later gets moved into Acts, Romans, and a study that I did not do into Revelation, <laughs> um, as Joel gets quoted by multiple different other authors, making him a New York Times bestseller, not just from um, multiple um, places within history, but um, even into people still buy the book. Does go. that kind of bring us up to speed? Yeah, that's good. Okay. So with that, um, Joel, two, uh, maybe start out with 18 through 20. Uh, until 20 or through 20? Through 20. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is one thought. Okay, yeah. Um, then the Lord became jealous over his land and had pity on his people. And the Lord answered and said to his people, behold, I'm sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will be more, no more, I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the Eastern sea and his rear guard into the Western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. The stench and foul smell will rise. No, sorry. Mm-hmm. For he's done great things. So he's dead. Um, yeah. Being those that he casted out. Mm-hmm. Um, grain, wine, and oil. Well, they just lost that with the locust, and it looks like God's going to restore that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a nice little and Did gesture. we talk about that before? Like those are some of what they were known for? I think so. I think that's what yeah. we had talked about in some of the... Like olive oil was supposed to be like one of their biggest exports or mm-hmm. lamp oil yep. or something. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then the grain is gone and, and the cows are looking for food. Yeah, that's right. Um, yep. So um, so they're getting all that, that stuff back. The cows are happy. The people are happy. God's land is happy. So I, think, I do think it was kind of interesting in 18. Uh, the word jealous there is supposed to be like a spousal jealousy. Really? So then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. <laughs> I just kind of like, like if you're writing like a, a baby, I want you back letter, uh-huh. like you'd be like, baby, I'm jealous. You got the house and I feel bad for you. <laughs> like that would not be the way you would put it. Right. So here's an, an <laughs> this might not be a tangent we want to necessarily go on. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. We never do that. Yeah, go no, on, no. Go, go on. But I was talking with someone. Take this and, one tangent. And and he was talking. He's like, you know, he's like, can you think of anywhere in the Bible where God ever says that His creation was ever not good? And I was trying to think, and I was like, not really. However, you do see many times throughout Scripture that judgment comes upon not His land but upon His people. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's never, he never, you see in, in Genesis how he's always like, well, you know, um, this was good, you know, and he thought that it was good and then comes to man and, you know, very good. good. Um, and I, and I don't know where I was going with that, but it was just, I thought it was just interesting, you know, where, where God's creation is never actually brought down, um, or judgment is really ever, I don't know if this would be, well, I mean like earth. In creation partake like i'm thinking of aiken like the earth opens up and swallows his whole family right like so it's like earth is almost so but judgment is really never brought down on his or there would this be a picture of judgment being brought down then the lord became jealous of his land well, and pity I'm, on his well, I'm thinking, well i'm thinking the land is a tool of his but land does not have the ability while it has the while it is under the curse which you read of that i'm now your work is going to be harder mm-hmm. um thorns and thistles are cropping up or whatever we see it's obviously subject to drought right um we see it's subject to flooding or whatever um but it is his tool that doesn't rebel against him right so despite the fact of being broken under the curse being affected by the curse uh, land is really his one of his means Mm -hmm. and he uses it as he sees fit right in a you know for judgment in many cases or blessing as we see you know oh Right. Your grain's gone. Now the grain's back. You know, your wine's gone. Well, let's regrow them vines, you know. So right, really, it's it's kind of a picture of his his sovereignty over... 
don't know. Okay. No, you're right. I see that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Land is definitely something he is sovereign over, and I think it's funny that we we feel like we can control. And there was a when I was growing up, there was a big thing about seeding clouds to weaken hurricanes. Yeah, yeah. And like, we're like oh, that doesn't really work. <laughs> like, we can't we can't force it to rain itself out before it gets over the coast. Like, it's just too impossible. Right. Like, so it's interesting to think that we ever thought we had control over factors that we have no mm. control over. Yeah. Like uh, you were, we were both there in South Carolina. I, I mean, we watched, I, we, those waves that were coming in because oh, it was yeah. a hurricane offshore. Uh-huh. Um, th- it was like kind of traveling up, but it was making a storm swell, but we were never getting the actual rain and wind from the hurricane. But we were seeing, you know, 10 foot waves, mm-hmm. you know, uh, easy 10 foot waves. Absolutely. And we were stupid enough to go in them. Absolutely. <laughs> flag warnings. Um, the park had, Signs said, do not walk on the dunes because mm-hmm. they wanted to avoid erosion, right? Right. Every one of those waves hit them dunes and mm. did not abide by the sign. That's true. Like it's So we are foolish to think that we can stop God's sovereign judgment or God's mm-hmm. sovereign will right. through things. And I'm not saying that God was like judging South Carolina at that time <laughs> or whatever it happens to be. I'm just saying like that just shows like some of the raw power that God can harness and do his will with that we have no right, control right. over. I'm going to make a flood. So I open up a fire hydrant and let the water out. Mm-hmm. It's like, but one fire hydrant can not always battle a blaze, you know? Right. Very interesting. So I guess, uh, so I guess his, his in a sense, his land never experiences his judgment, but is more an avenue, not an avenue might be the wrong word, but a, something a he uses, a tool that yeah, he uses for judgment against his people when necessary well, then. And we see like, man, we are, this is the most we've, Dove into one verse in a while. Yeah. Um, jealous for his land, possibly, and this is conjecture. I'm not reading this out of a commentary or anything. This is popping my mind, so it could be way wrong, you cool Bible scholars out there that want to disagree. Right. Uh, email us at botcash at outlook.com and tell me why I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Don. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Don Scott. No. <laughs> um, possibly it's because the Lord made the earth and everything in it to be a gift and a blessing to those made in his image. And his land is at its fullness and at its most glorious and it most glorifies him when his people are in it and being blessed by it. Mm. So being jealous for his land, it could potentially be a sign of completion. Okay. Like I'm jealous for my land and I'm having pity on you. My land is not doing what it was created to do. I'm jealous to see it back to where it's supposed to be. I don't want it to be fallow and left in the dust, you know, but it is dust, but you know, right. Because he likes and enjoys his creation Mm -hmm. and it is meant for his people to be able to enjoy it as well. Yeah. Surprise. God likes you. But -hmm. then again, it says, and had pity on his people. So that word pity, I feel like that's almost like, um, it's kind of almost a reminder of God's grace and mercy. I mean, I guess with maybe, the Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I'm sending you the grain wine. So I guess by him showing pity and being jealous for his land, he's once again allowing the land to bless his people as they had before. And it's not like they had actually really done anything, and it's not like they actually deserve it. So maybe that's where that pity comes from is... Yeah, I was trying to see if I could get the, any notes on pity. Um, I don't think I have any... Uh, it means to have pity. <laughs> okay. Um, it also could mean to have compassion on. Right. But that's kind of the secondary. So if you're going to go by the most likely, it would be uh, pity would be the most. Compassion would be a secondary. Which Well, definitely not something that's earned, not something that they deserve, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, what would you guys think of that tangent? But, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I just kind of... like, jealous for the land, but pity uh-huh. on people. Like. I just, just, again, it's one of those that, is, as we're kind of talking, I just got thinking. I was like, huh, I don't know. It's kind of just an interesting conversation. And, and But either way, um, God definitely, um, he's jealous for his land. So, so whatever that means. Um, and you said it was more of like a marital... Yeah, it's a it's a type spousal of jealousy. A sp- spousal jealousy. Yeah. Um, so he obviously still continues to see his land as as being something that's good and special to him, um, and then has having pity on his people, where um, 
pity leads me to believe that they're regaining that that blessing from the land that they really don't deserve. Yeah, because he um, says, I'll no longer make you a reproach among the nations. Right. So it's definitely, a, you repented and I will no longer make you a, a laughing stock. Yeah. An yeah. example. But yeah. So, all right. So is the northerner the Assyrians? So I, I don't couldn't find anything. I've, I found it, the word northerner means north. <laughs> well, he mentions the northerner earlier. Yeah, by the way, I um, think the NIV says the northern armies. So I think they take a liber, liberal approach to that. Okay. And I know that Elizabeth had mentioned that um, the northerner armies um, was a an apocalyptic army type thing that was discussed in Jeremiah. She is all about those apocalypses. Which I am, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I don't know a ton. Um, I've never done a really deep study of Jeremiah. Um, it can also be the Assyrians um, was another potential, um, but it could also be the locusts. So it depends on how that northern army is looked at. However, it is supposed ultimately she looks at it as a judgment, an army of judgment against the people. Um, so I'm assuming by them referring back to um, removing the northerner from you um, and drive him into a parched and desolate land, ultimately that threat, no matter what that would be, whether that's the apocalyptic, whether that's the locusts or whether that's the Assyrians, um, is no longer a threat. So that yeah. judgment of that so, destruction that was earlier in Joel 2 is no longer a threat. Is My commentary is by Richard Patterson, and he states it's possibly the Assyrians or the locusts. Okay. He's not as vibrant as Beth. Okay. <laughs> he's, a, he's a little more like, yeah, that's one of the other. You're like, oh, it's the apocalyptic armies of yeah. the North. is represent. I'm like, that's cooler. And then she, <laughs> she goes Jeremiah to, to state that. And I guess it depends on the date that you look at. Mm. Um, but I think what we looked at last year is in most of those representations, Jeremiah is before, well, at least in one of them, Jeremiah is before Joel, which then could make that a legit argument um, if, if that's kind of where they're going with that. Yeah, I'm disappointed. There are no, no mentions of that here. No, no Jeremiah mentioned in this commentary. I have said. Again, I did not go into a deeper study. I don't know Jeremiah. The two books that I really, 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 really want to study next are Jeremiah and Ezekiel. We're doing Ezekiel, I think. Um, I'm, we're right, right. We decided. I, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So it's one of those that that's that's, gonna be a mess. I'm sorry in advance, people. That's gonna be <laughs> seven years of Ezekiel. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be so good. Um, but anyway. So, yeah, so I, I unfortunately, I, I don't have any deeper thoughts or meaning behind that because I haven't done a much deeper study. And I guess if I was a better podcast <laughs> co-host, um, I would have done a deeper study of Jeremiah. But I have this problem where I can't just look at part of it. I then have to look at the whole. Right. And so what would have only been a week of study or a couple weeks of study for this podcast would have turned into much, much, much longer and still awesome. no clear answers. <laughs> Um, but anyway, that's just kind of what I got with that. All right. Yeah. That's yeah. Northern all I had was the, the Assyrians or if you listen to Patterson, the locusts. Okay. So, yep. So glad we weren't any help to you, but, yeah. um, you've at least got some stuff to, but they're gone now and they're foul stenches. Right. <laughs> so I think if we're going to learn something from that, we can at least learn that whatever judgment is discussed in the earlier part of Joel two is no longer a threat. Um, and God is the the reason behind God's grace and mercy or his pity, however you want to look at that, is the reason that that um, judgment is no longer a threat against his people. Mm. All right. Um, 22 through 27? Yeah, that's good. Or 21 through 27? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I was reading my notes on no. 21 while you were saying that. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears, uh, bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vat shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. 
Um, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You do the chopper. Sorry, I don't know why it sounded like you said that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm stupid. Don't listen to me. Um, what happened again? So, yeah, I see at the beginning there's definitely like a restoration of all. And this goes back to kind of that holistic uh, of who God is and how the world was created for uh, us to enjoy and for us to be a part of and us to be blessed by. And you start to see the restoration of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, fear not, O land. <laughs> right. And <laughs> yeah. Me up. <laughs> and then the beasts. But yeah, I guess fear not, O land. Yeah. Kind of interesting that he can talk to his creation like that. Right. It'd be like, be like, fear not, oh, Plato. Mm-hmm. Like, I will put you back in the sand. You will not dry out. <laughs> then For again. those of you that have been dried, I will cut off and cast into the trash. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, well, I mean, I guess he says he, what, no, no, names the stars and, you know, he can count the sands of the sea. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. Does that show that he's got, like, an intimate relationship with his creation? That, oh, definitely. You know, his creation is not just a... A thing that he threw out, and that in in Genesis when he said that it was good, there is definitely, I don't know. I guess sometimes that I mean, that might just give deeper meaning to that is good type of language, where we go, oh, that is good, but there is an intimate that is good. He's very pleased with his creation and very pleased with what has come out of it, um, and I well, guess we see that continued relationship in in Joel and maybe other books of the Bible. Yeah, and once again, you see, um, fear not beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green again. Like, the beasts do exist to glorify God, but cattle is a livelihood, and it's part of the offering. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once again, so fear not, those are going to grow and become strong. Um, The trees will bear fruit, the fig tree and the vine will give full yield. I mean, grapes don't grow just for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, they grow for consumption. Same thing with fig. And those are, once again, two signs of a a restored land to israel to his people mm-hmm. um one thing i do find interesting i'd love to find out and if you're a, a, a vinter out there if i recall it takes like a few years to be able to use a grapevine for good wine hmm. like it's got to like grow mature and it's got to like go through a few cycles of fruit before it's worth anything so i'm wondering how that plays into being destroyed and then restored if there's like that i don't know i i I was. I just wonder if there's more to it, and I. That's something I would probably have to study deeper than anybody would want to listen to. Right. But I, that just struck me right now because I. I know, you know, a lot of people say like, oh well, you know, it takes four, six, seven years for a vine to come to fruition to make the kind of grapes you want for wine. I, I don't know. So, so in a sense, we're reading this as an immediate thing, but is there a, is there a yeah. bringing back process? And and I would almost have to argue that there would ha- that there would have to be i mean when you just look at a restoration and in people and christians and i guess i can even say in myself and and as you look through different things a restoration is not an immediate i mean many times i like for it to be an immediate mm-hmm. but it's not and how do you grow and how does that relationship remend itself stronger if there isn't that restoration period um if it just happens instantaneously and is just given to you then is that really a amending or a tightening of a relationship? I, I don't know. I'm just really just talking out loud at this point. Uh, um, yeah, it's... Or thinking out loud. Sorry, I guess you always talk out loud. Yeah. Once again, I feel like this, This time, like, I, I love you, Patterson. Like, you're good. I feel like this time, this study aid has not been as robust as some mm-hmm. of the past ones i've had i, I don't know if it's just because there's not a lot of prophets of joel right uh, or prophets oh my gosh he is not a new a lot york of times that, bestseller yeah and there's not a lot of people that write on joel um because we do when we get to the end of the chapter you'll see we kind of focus on those verses out of joel more than anything mm-hmm. so i don't know yep now i did put at least in 26 and 27 um oh, wait don't oh, go there God. yet just kidding nope not gonna go there yet yeah you can go there right after this um some interpret the early rain for your vindication as the prophets in the early rain, there is actually referring to the spring rain. And some people believe that that's referring to Moses and the prophets. And then the latter rains, um, he has poured down for your abundant rain, the early and latter rains, the latter rain actually being, uh, the Messiah himself. 
So that this could be a messianic. 23 could be a messianic verse. Okay. Um, okay. Or pointing towards the messianic, saying, I've given you, you know, I've spoken to you in the in the spring rains in the early days through my prophets, and later I'm going to speak to you in the through the Messiah. Huh. So, yep. Sorry. 26 and 27. Go on. I just thought I didn't have anything on 26 and 27, oh. but I figured that, like, why sum it up? Because it says it really just perfectly on just kind of... Um, kind of what he's talking about it says you shall eat in in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the lord who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame Um, you shall know that i am in the midst of israel and that i am the lord your god and there is none else Um, and my people shall never again be put to shame I, i guess it just kind of sums up very nicely all of that other verses all those other verses and you're like okay um yeah didn't have much to say on that. Although you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I did not look into that and it didn't actually hit me at the time. So a lot of times when he says I am in the midst of Israel, is he then claiming to be sovereign God? You know, like when, when they, so in verse 27, you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. It's a, it, I would think that if it was that I am, it would be the capital A-M. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't... Oops. That I am in the midst of Israel. Okay. I was just curious. I'm trying to see what... I am the Lord your God, and there is... Yeah, it's. it looks like it's... Because I know that, that sometimes we miss those in our English translations, and I was just curious yeah, if maybe see. that was, but I hadn't looked into it. And I guess since no one had said anything... I'm looking at tw- my commentary in 27, and he has nothing to say. And in the Hebrew, it looks like it literally is... I am. It looks like am is not even actually in the Hebrew. Oh, okay. Just kidding. Just I. And we put that for to smooth out the reading. Okay. Got it. So, yep. Yeah, sorry. It'd be cool, but no. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. All right. So, verse 28 then through 32. Yep. Well, we might we might end this podcast a little early. Um. I've, yeah, right. You probably got a book to tell us on this. Um. I've got a lot. All right. Whether it was though fire in the hole, concise or not, <laughs> I don't know. All right, twenty-eight to thirty-two. We're not known for concise, bro. No, no. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. All right. Um, What you got? Um, Actually, I wanted you to kind of lead on this one. So I was very scatterbrained in my study on this, and that's kind of where I was struggling a little bit with how to even bring it back to the podcast, um, (laughs) because I was very kind of scatterbrained with how I went. Um, And I think that I struggled a lot with how Elizabeth dealt with it. So I actually (laughs) went straight to Acts. Um, And so Acts 2, which is actually a fairly, I don't know if famous is the right word, but a quoted fairly often, addressed fairly often. I mean, you obviously see people study and create commentaries on Acts way more than they do on Joel. And so Acts 2 actually goes back to Joel um, to a dread, I guess, to, to talk. And so, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of how to kind of go through it. Um, so... Ultimately, what was happening with Joel um, is we're kind of seeing the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy here. Um, when Joel actually originally, um, when it was a prophecy from the time of Joel, um, they were looking more towards the last days. And um, I think where I got hooked up a little bit is that the words, shoot, where is it? The words, ah, uh huh. Uh-huh. Yep, I just lost it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the words afterward and before um, that are used in kind of the very first part of 28. Mm. Um, and I got, that's I think that's where I got kind of mixed up a little bit there. 
Um, but ultimately what we're going to see here is we're going to see where um, Peter is using this passage. Um, originally, um, they are saying that this passage was more focused on um, God's people during the time. Peter is going to expand it to include not just all or not just God's people, but but actually all people in general. Um, so we're bringing not just God's people into this prophecy, but but we're actually. Ful- Did you give the reference? Oh, I the did Acts not. reference is Acts. It is two Acts two. 10? I can't read my handwriting. I just lost it. Um, let me see. I got it. Hold on. Acts two seventeen. Two seventeen. Okay. I believe. Yeah. So I again, I was very scatterbrained in my study of this. Um, so I was kind of hoping you were going to help bring my ADD into like a. Uh, a more concise picture. I, I can maybe, but I, I I guess I'm trying to see. Like, so what do you? So here's the Acts two seventeen. Okay, yeah. And in Acts two seventeen says, and in the last days, it shall be God declares that I will pour my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And then we get into kind of the eschatological, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs of the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great that the great and magnificent day. Right. And it shall come to pass, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's the Acts rendition of the same passage all right so here's what here's what i got and this was actually stuff that i took from the commentary that i was looking at and i'll look up the 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 reference to that in just a minute where i got that um it basically says that what was happening was to be seen as the fulfillment of a prophecy in joel um peter um went to cite uh the joel passages being 228 through 32 um the quotation um follows the um LXX, um, but with a number of small altercations. Um, I'm, I'm assuming spirits, two different words. Y- no. Well, Hebrew would have been breath. It was. It oh, Numa? yes. Was it Numa then for the. See, I did not get the actual. He did up. not use the Greek and Hebrew in that. I'm actually interested in that now. <laughs> um, so, one of the more important of these changes um, is the way in which Joel um, and, and it shall come to pass afterward has been altered to and in the last days. Um, so Joel uses, um, and it come to pass afterward, um, and he ultimately is talking about the last days. By him altering the passage to, and it um, has altered to, and in the last days it shall be. Um, Peter regards Joel's prophecy as applying to the last days and claims that his hearers are now living in those last days. Um, God's final act of salvation has begun to take place. Um I've got that the first and the main theme of the prophecy is that God is going to pour out his spirit upon all people and upon all kinds of people, um, not just on the prophets, the kings, the priests, um, as had been kind of tradition in the Old Testament times, um, but ultimately um, it is now going to be on all people. Um, The commentator that I used, and again, I'll, I'll look that up in a minute, um, to, to let you know, it uh, kind of points to another second important point from it. Um, he says that here it may be noted that Peter has altered joy's wonders in the heaven and on the earth to wonders in the heaven above and the signs on the earth beneath. Um, so the signs are probably the gift of tongues is what he says um, and various healings and miracles, which they're go- it's going to be recorded as you move into Acts. So these wonders, these signs, all of these things that, that are ultimately... Um, Joel is talking about people are now going to see um, because Jesus has now brought about those those um, the last days that we are now living in. So that's where we're going to see um, not just or we're going to see God's people or all people being able to experience those. Um, and as you get deeper into the verse, we're going to find out ultimately that comes with um, relationship with Jesus. Um. Um, he, so there's a couple different, um, ideas with kind of the, the signs and the wonders. Um, uh, let me go back to my notes and which I just lost. So one thing on the signs and wonders part, and we can jump back up to the mm-hmm. other if we need to, um, what does this point? And a lot of people like take this as literal and they don't see that it's potentially like an apocalyptic language. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wonders in the heavens, on the earth, blood, fire, moons, suns, stars going crazy, like all this stuff. 
uh, is actually more likely referencing the totality that everybody will be affected by what is happening mm-hmm. as opposed to being actual things to look out for. So sorry for everyone that has a chart, um, but like the moon turning to blood does not necessarily mean that there's going to be bloodshed on the moon or we're going to start intergalactic wars or um, that like some supernatural blood will pour out and turn the moon red or, you know, like any Mm -hmm. of that. It's basically saying that what you're going to see is uh, going to affect everyone. Nobody will escape because everybody will see the moon. Everybody sees the sun and like what's happening. Everybody will be able to see now. Okay. So darkness, sun, and change the moon and blood. On the other hand, our natural... Okay, so some people say that they are natural disasters. Um, Elizabeth takes it more from the supernatural perspective, that, that it, they are not necessarily natural disasters. Um, I like natural disasters. The IVP <laughs> takes it from the natural disasters and also takes it from like a description of like a solar and lunar eclipse. Um, said that a solar and lunar eclipse in the ancient Near East would have represent... Um, something much more powerful and deadly and a deeper, a more spiritual consequence that, that might've happened from that. Um, so I found multiple commentators, um, some of them saying it was more of a supernatural sign, um, with the approaching of the day. Some of them that said that it was not, um, when you get into, I think it's revelation. Um, there is a revelation scripture that points to this. How bold of you to go to what you didn't study. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't study. I went, I, again, I quickly looked at the, uh, I can't find it. Is again, revelation I've got, 6, 8 through 9, possibly? Potentially. That's the only... Revelation six twelve. Dang. So close. close. Oh, yeah, sorry. I see that's the second set of, I didn't read all the references. Mm-hmm. My bad. So again, I had a lot and again, I had so much and I was like, oh, I got to get, bring it back down more for the podcast. And sadly enough, I just didn't get a chance. Um, so again, I just have a lot of information that I'm like, okay, it, it's so if cool we, to see all of these different. If we kind of start constructing or destructing this a little bit in order and kind of hit that expository mm-hmm. or inductive method. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. That is absolutely huge. Right. Um, the concept of God's spirit being poured out was not as pronounced in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. And when we see uh, references to God's spirit, it's very low key in the Old Testament, um, more so than in especially acts and beyond, especially even before, like, you know, Jesus promising a comforter will come and a helper will come and so on and so forth. Um, the word spirit here is rauk or roach. Rauk. 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 Yeah, I think Rauk Hadesh. Yeah. yeah. Holy Spirit. But, uh, well, this doesn't have the Hadesh on it. This right. is just Rauk. So rauk. this is basically, I shall pour my, I shall breathe out my breath onto all flesh so it's God basically saying, and if you remember, it was his breath that brought us to life. So this is his breath reinvigorating those he's already brought to life. So it's kind of giving him something extra. In the New Testament, the word, I did look it up, it is pneuma, means the same thing. So Peter knew what he was saying there. Hmm. So that just goes to show you, Peter of the New Testament knew the Old Testament. No more excuses for not studying your Old Testament. Right. <laughs> but he, he purposely did repeat it with the proper translation Mm -hmm. to say God will pour out his breath onto all of us. He will pour out his spirit onto all of us. They're synonymous, essentially. Um, We get that. Then we do get kind of the, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. Once again, this is a totality verse. And I do fear that a lot of people take this as a word for word, like, oh, well, only the youngsters are going to prophesy and only the old men are going to see the dream, you know. But who was it that was the prophet that wasn't going to die until Jesus was born in Matthew? Oh, shoot. Um, he was an old man and he was a prophet. Yeah. That's, that's my I'm, point. I'm brain farting. Uh, yeah. You know, like, so it, it, these aren't limiting factors. These are totality factors. Everybody will prophesy. Everybody will be impacted by dreaming dreams, seeing visions. Everybody will be it's a totality of God's spirit being poured out on everybody 
believers, everybody that, that he will release it out to. It is not a prescriptive thing. And it, I just got to rail on that a little bit because mm-hmm. some people do say like, oh, well, it's the young generation coming up that's going to prophesy. That's not what this means. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's not what they're saying here. It's saying that everybody will be impacted by the spirit of God and will be put to work and to proclaim Jesus to everybody by the spirit mm-hmm. being poured out onto them. You'll be empowered by that spirit, regardless of who you are. Are you a servant? You got it. Are you a master? You got it. Are you old? Are you young? You got it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where eventually I ended up coming with that idea of afterwards, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on the flesh. So Joel in this part right here is talking about um, about the, what is it, the day, the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord actually is basically Jesus's well, coming resurrection. So, so and my- then afterward is when we see the pouring of the spirit. Yeah, well, the nitpick about afterward here is also um, is that the alternate, the NIV, I don't think it's the NIV, it might be the RSV, also will translate that as it will come to pass truthfully. Hmm. So the word might have, I'm trying to find, so um, I decided to go digital. And my commentary had the NIV text in it when I had it in print. And now that I have it digital, it doesn't. Oh, no. So I've been using my ESV to see it. I'm going to see if I've got, if I can look it up really quick. NIV. On your NIV? Yeah. So pardon me. Well, folk. I think they actually, because this. So she tends to use the NIV. What does she put for it? Then? She uses the word afterward. And she did not clearly get in there. Yeah, NIV says afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So I, again, as I got deeper into the study, I, I felt that afterward was that coming of the... Oh, let me go look at that term. Again, I'm scrolling up and down. Um, would be the... So, so the CSB, which is the... Uh, it's kind of the rising star right now, mm-hmm. says, after this, I will pour out my spirit. Right. So, so then after this would be... More like an afterward. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, I can't remember which one does it with that, like, in truthfully or honestly or whatever mm-hmm. it was. So the last days then, so after the last days. Okay, so he's looking into... I'm going to look at King Jimmy. So... And it uh, shall come to pass afterwards. Wow, King James actually reads really easily on that. Does it? Yeah, that's that's surprising. Yeah, that doesn't always happen. Yeah. So ultimately, you know, he's looking at the coming... So yeah, the day of the, the Lord. Day? Okay, so the day of the Lord. So after the day of the Lord, so Jesus is probably coming death and resurrection would be that day. And now we're living in the day of the Lord. We're living in those end times. Hmm. And so now this is, I guess, where maybe Peter is saying, okay, well, here is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. This is where we're actually going to see the young men shall see visions um, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And so now this is where we're going to start to see those, those signs and those wonders um, as they're lived out in the rest of the book of Acts. And so Joel is seeing a future um, representation, but Acts and Acts, Peter is saying, we are actually seeing it now. Oh, so he's saying, oh, okay, I got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But then there's that before that's added there also. And so that. Wait, which verse are you got before? Because now I'm all. Okay, so I've now, got three Bibles open. Sorry. <laughs> so before then happens in. Again, I, I told you I really was all over the place in this. Um, I'm looking. Pour out my spirit. Hey, everybody, this makes for good podcasting. Even the servants in those days. No, she wonders. Turn and the moon. It shall okay. Come past the, okay, so you're gone. Yeah, and the moon and the show before the great and awesome day of the oh, Lord. Oh yeah. Comes. Okay. Okay. So so then so this would be like the in between. So the afterwards, the pouring out the spirit would happen after the time of Jesus, and then before though the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So this this would be the living in the end times type of idea. And then before the great and awesome day of the Lord. So we're going to see the prophesying. We're going to see the dreams and the visions. And all of those happen. The pouring out of the Spirit on his people and all people. Um, and Joel, um, they said, according to the words that were used in the repetition, um, that it was 
just mostly focusing on Israel or God's people there. Acts and Acts, it's opened up to all people. Um, and all of those things are going to happen before the day, the great day of the Lord, but after the coming of, um, after the day of the Lord, which we then live in that once Jesus comes about. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, the so this is what happens when you have digital books. Uh, the last, so in the Acts two seventeen, and in the last days it shall be. Um, that word for last is where we get eschatology. It's eschatos. That's so cool. Really? I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, I guess I never... Oh. I should have taken Latin. <laughs> you should like, You know, like to get my mm-hmm. Greek and Latin on. But yeah, it's kind of cool. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, because afterward doesn't give us as much of a clue. No, it doesn't. And it's Hebrew translation, but the Greek does mm-hmm. give us a little bit more of a clue as to what he's talking. So, so it took me because I really got stuck on those words and got stuck in that place. Yeah. And so, again, I have so much... Again, I'm literally scrolling up and down towards this part and this part, and I've got like a page of stuff, and I'm like, ah, you know, so to bring it all together, um, which I like talking it out because I feel like I now, for me, have a better, better I probably confuse all our listeners. No, no. Um, okay, so uh, you take a couple minutes to sum it up, and I'll tell you if I agree, and if not, I'll just shut up and put a couple of pointers on it. Okay. So I think then how we... We have about 10 minutes left, so... Okay. Summarize it. So how I might summarize it is this. Um, In verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward. And this is where I want to make sure that I've got the correct terminology because I think it matters. All right. And I should have made sure before I started summing it up. that. Okay, then I will sum up first. All right. Sorry, everybody. Don here. I'm going to sum it up, and then Scott will rebuttal instead of reverse. Um, Looking at mine, and it shall come to pass afterwards. Uh, meaning sometime in the near future, this is what's going to happen. Um, God's going to breathe out his spirit on all flesh. There's this, everybody that's a believer is going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit at some time. If we put that into conjunction with Acts 2, 17, we see that the day Joel was coming about, or saw coming about, was Pentecost. <laughs> that's when it started. All right, once again, I see that as holistic. And then it goes, and then during those last days, the entire earth will be witness to God's might and glory, and they will see these signs in creation that will continue, that all people will see those. And then in the end, those who are the survivors, which in this case I believe are the believers possibly, will call on the name of the Lord. So that's my incredibly short version. What do you got? All right, so I'm going to say that... um... So you have in Joel, and it shall come to pass afterward um, that I will pour out my spirit. So Joel is um, potentially referring to in the last days, um, and he is specifically talking to a specific group of people, meaning God's people of of this time period. Um, Acts, um, Peter goes ahead and goes back to that. Um, and he is saying that we are now living in the last days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that afterward is talking about that, that time when Jesus has come, um, he is resurrected. And because of Jesus, we are now living in those last days. Um, in Acts, we are specifically seeing that prophesy that, the, that prophesied coming of the spirit, um, which now, um, is manifesting itself on on all of God's people being those that has have specifically made a commitment to to Jesus. Um, we now see signs and wonders both in creation and in people um, to show that that we are living in the last days and that those dreams, those prophecies, those visions are currently happening. Um, the before the great day of the awesome day of the Lord comes. Um, I, I think it is referring to the actual end times or judgment, the the end of days that, that ultimately is to come in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that in Revelation, I think it was 6, 12. Um, it refers back to that, and I did not do a deeper study of that, but um, I, I'm assuming that there is probably some of that um, the great and awesome day of the Lord coming that that, that probably is a part of. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what I've got. Now, the only thing that I didn't get and hit was Romans 10, 13. Paul quotes Joel 2 and says, On all who call on the name of, 
uh, and all who call on the name will be saved. Um, he basically works Joel into the discussion of salvation um, through Jesus Christ, which I think um, reiterate, reiterates the those that are prophesying, dreaming, and having visions um, are those who accept salvation through Jesus. Um, but I would say that Joel is kind of the the prophetic, the prophecy. Acts is like the middleman. That's kind of what's happening um, after the day of the Lord, so after Jesus. But that's when we're living in those um, those times of yeah. We're in those. We are currently in those last days. Yeah, yeah, the day about. of the Lord, um, <laughs> and then the before the great and awesome day. I would assume is the end time slash judgment or the revelation type world that we might be coming to. And that's my longer summary. <laughs> Much better than mine. Um, one last note. Uh, if we were to, I just said that um, spirit in both the Old and New Testament are the words for breath. So if we were to take afterwards and put it with the last days, and I already said Peter knew, knew what he was doing, then Peter knew what he was doing with the afterwards in the last days as well. So I would say that they're intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he intentionally use that by the spirit that yeah. <laughs> was being poured out on him at that very moment in yep. that speech, that, that sermon of his. Yeah. So, yeah. So all that to say, it's very intentional. Um, once again, it's, uh, it's a matter of a holistic prophecy, regardless of who you are, regardless of status, regardless of male, female mm-hmm. servant, rich, poor, whatever, young, old, um, the spirit is poured out into you. And then it's a matter of completion of the entire earth will go through, judgment Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh the entire earth will be privy to it right and then uh at the end there will be a restoration so for in mount zion and in jerusalem there shall be those who escape as the lord has said and among the survivors shall be those whom the lord calls so you have uh active spiritual work you have judgment and then you have final restoration Mm -hmm. and that's the same thing peter will preach except for peter's going to say Instead of it coming, it's here. And we're just waiting on judgment and restoration. Right. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, again, hopefully... Wow, that was clear. Hopefully I didn't... Yeah, it was one of those, though. I'm one of those that... No, it's that, a lot of... That uh, I talk it out. So I enjoy... I at least enjoy the conversation. And again, I've got a whole lot of notes on my computer. Yeah, I didn't... T- What's funny is I, I was like, oh, yeah, this is just what we saw next. So I just kind of let it go. I didn't study too deep, but I should have. Yeah, and I went deep and never came in with like a good, clear, concise conclusion. And Guys, all this to say is that Scott wants to make sure you're not a cessationist. Yeah, well, you just... We, we may have just lost a bunch of... No, I, I firmly... Mm-hmm. Um, I've said it before. I'm a cessationist. With, no, no. I'm a continuationist with a seatbelt. To which a friend of mine likens to a cessationist with an eject switch. Um, okay, I, I'm okay. So explain that. Uh, what time we got? All right, um, I got a couple <laughs> minutes. Uh, basically, I believe that the miraculous gifts do happen, but I believe the office of prophet and the office of apostle are closed. Hmm. Um, however, um, I believe God still works through prayer and miracle. I just believe that miracles are miracles. And they're not common every day. So when somebody says, well, I'm going to go start praying for people in the morgue to rise from the dead. I'm like, that's, that's not biblical. Um, I don't believe that we will ever see another Paul that's going to walk around and like cut up a garment and send it to people to be healed. I don't think that that is what we have access to as Christians. I think that that was, and I know that a lot of people continuationists hate to hear this, but I believe that some of what we got in the completion of the canon of scripture took the place of the need for the Pauline apostleship. So I do not believe that the gift of being an apostle is for us, Hmm. but I do believe that the miraculous does happen. I do believe that people can prophesy. I do believe that people can pray for healing and it will happen, but I just don't see one guy walking around a la Paul and Peter and saying, I'm going to spit in this mud and make some paste and you're going to see, you know, mm. well, that was Jesus that did that. But, you know, um, I'm not going to see somebody walk around like Peter and say, I don't have money, but get up and walk. Like, I don't, I don't believe that. So I am a continuationist, but I put my seatbelt on my friend. On the other hand, basically says he is a cessationist with an eject button. 
So he walks in that he does not believe the miraculous happens. But if it does, he is more than free to push the button and say, yeah, that was God. Hmm. He's not somebody that's going to say that was probably a demon, which some people would. So I failed a spiritual gifts class in college because they were very much anything that is a miracle or any of those things. Right. Those are obviously from the enemy. Which makes no sense. No, because I think in Matthew... Sorry if you believe that. I think in Matthew... But I'm not sorry. I think in Matthew 13, um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, I think all of it is mm-hmm. is fairly clear that that is, is not yeah. necessarily true. It, it, it um, argues for when the perfection comes, and people say that's the Holy Scriptures. And I'm like, man, talk about making a leap. Mm-hmm. I think that when perfection comes is when Christ returns. Right. Because we don't need to prophesy when the one we're prophesying about is in the room with us. Right. Like, not spiritually. <laughs> and 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 I, yes. And and I think part of it, I think, the again, we could get into a much deeper conversation in regards to this entire thing, um, which might be a safer thing to do than, than kind of throw out... Um, some of our beliefs and that sort of thing. Cause I think that it's, it is a much deeper, more powerful conversation. Um, cause it's one of those that I was like, I, om- I almost was like, well, he is like, but we, I, I don't want to push buttons to the point without being able to back it up saying, no, here's my- kind of scripture. I know I'm not, I'm just saying I didn't want to throw, oh, no, here's I'll, what I believe. I'll throw mine right out there. I believe that there's a list of gifts and that to make a, delineation between the miraculous gifts and the standard everyday gifts is foolish. I think that all the gifts are all the gifts. And mm-hmm. yes, some are like, because they're defined as the charismatica. Right. Right. Um, but actually all that really means is gift. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a gift that you give to somebody. Like I'm firmly on board with all the spiritual gifts being alive and active today. However, I think that we can argue by evidence that we do not see apostolic outpouring mm-hmm. So to believe that is your call and your duty is also an error. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, and I yeah you're right. I could probably go on and on and on, but it's just I'm going based on what I've read, what I've studied, and what I've seen. So Absolutely. I'm doing those evidences. Yeah. I, everybody that is told me that they are a miracle worker is usually ended up a fraud, mm-hmm. or has ended up in jail, or has ended up you know, being part of an investigation legally, you know, like, yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not buying it. Well, no, it's dangerous to put yourself anywhere. I feel like in a, in a, a role of, I am a miracle where I am this mm-hmm. because really it, it all comes back to Christ and it all comes back to, um, it's really not our ministry. It's what God has us do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think myself as with you, as with, um, anyone listening, that God has the ability to continue to utilize us um, to pray for healing and to pray for various circumstances. Um, But I'm not quite sure. I feel that anyone, at least I can say of myself, I I don't know if I can judge others in in this place, but I don't feel that I would ever be able to walk around and say, here's the authority that I have as a miracle worker, as Mm. a prophet, as a whatever. Um, what we do have the authority to do is to say, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to seek the all powerful God of the universe to change this situation. And that's mm-hmm. where we get to John Wimber. Sometimes it's just a help, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But um, we have that as Christians, because as we just read here, his spirit has been poured out onto all of us. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to be Peter, John, yeah. James, Paul. Well, I think Matthew puts out a warning out there. Um, when he asks us, or when when Matthew portrays, when Jesus portrays how it is that we are supposed to pray, how it is that we are supposed to come before God, how are we, how we are supposed to humbly live within our world and culture? Although God gives us authority um, over demons and the ability to heal and that sort of thing, there's also a humbling before God. Um, and a humbling and a seeking out to God's desire and all of those situations um, that, again, it's, it's dangerous and, and I think can be prideful at times, mm-hmm. depending on how it is that we go ahead and address those situations um, and address those healings and even address our role and position and, and, and our ability to be able to interact in those situations. Yeah, if, you're, if your response to praying for somebody that you just saw something miraculous happen is like, oh my gosh, look what I did. Yeah, you're, you're wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. So yeah, we, uh, 
All right. Five extra minutes because you got our tangent on spiritual gifts. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Oh, yeah. That's fair. Now, uh, don't be mad. Some of your favorite uh, podcasters are, you know, continuationists. I'm assuming we're your favorite. <laughs> of course we are. We're so much better than those other guys. I know. I that, that wasn't prideful. Dude, okay. We got to go, but man, Professor Mark Zies started a podcast. OT. Did he really? Yeah, I'm going to try and find it and check it out. Kind of mad at him. Didn't consult us first. <sighs> but anyway. Uh, yeah, so thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. And listen to him. Just listen to us also. Yeah, listen to Mark. <laughs> really, listen to Mark. Yeah, He's, really. <laughs> and then come back and tell us what he said. So and, we and why we're wrong, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next time.